Hey, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Today, I'm joined by Greg Daly, the Chief Visionary of Parable, the accounting, bookkeeping and CFO services for churches. After serving for several years as an executive pastor, Greg and his wife Jessica moved to Fort Collins, Colorado, where he co-founded the Restoration Project and Jessica founded Accelerate, which became Parable. Greg has found his niche in developing Parable as he enjoys building relationships with pastors and helping them develop strategies to see their visions take off in stable, sustainable ways. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, Greg Daly. Greg Daly, welcome to finally, finally we've fucking got our shit together. Greg Daly, welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I'm honoured to be here, Stuart. <laughs> Uh, two goes at it and one false start, but there you go. Hey, um, you're now famous in the accounting community, aren't you? Is that is uh, that true? Is that is I that... don't know if famous <laughs> or infamous or maybe I'm the most famous person no one's heard of. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, but um, you and your co-founder, Jess, told a, a wonderful story on stage at uh, CarbonX in June of this year, and it uh, really resonated with much of the audience and was inspirational for a lot of people there. Do you want to tell us what that experience was like? Yeah, it was actually really, really cool. And I, I definitely got famous through Carbon by being <laughs> able to be up on, on the stage. We even hired somebody from, somebody called us based on that interview oh there you go oh shit we're, we're not we you didn't poach them did you we're not no we're not... we did not poach them they were from the carbon community in some way shape or form heard our story called us and then said hey i'd love to maybe come work with you or explore that option and so we just hired her i won't say who it is just in case it's there's <laughs> no i don't think there was any bad blood no 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 so... that's good that's good <laughs> that was a surprising i would say that was a surprising outcome it didn't expect yeah, that. there you go. No, that's excellent. And what was being on stage with the team and telling your story in front of the audience is probably not something you get to do every day. It's not. And I think what was really cool about it was, you know, we've felt like Carbon has believed in us and we kind of have been with Carbon since the beginning. So we kind of believed in Carbon and it was this like reciprocal thing that kept giving back to each other. And so that that felt like the fruition of that just and even helping think through how to even take us on a journey like that was i think in talking with your team it was really cool to kind of see how our team mimicked or our growth mimicked mm. the kind of mm. maturity pieces that you had articulated yeah yeah i mean i think as we remind me when you started accelerate uh, we started accelerate in 2011 i think we yeah. started working with carbon in 20 15 or 16. Yeah, see, that was way early. I mean, all we had was a couple of pixels back then. There wasn't much else, right? So It's true. Yeah, yeah I, I get that. And hopefully, as you've been able to evolve and the platform has evolved with you and you're able to sort of take advantage of a lot of what's in there as it grows for you. Well, I would say we were a couple of pixels. When I joined the company, we decided to kind of take it from a stay-at-home mom 
my wife, Jessica, who uh, founded the company, was a stay-at-home mom's kind of side gig yeah. just to make a little extra money for the oh, family. So you, you were in the gig economy. You were early adopters. We were early adopters, <laughs> yes. And then Ahead I joined, the which meant that it was a family business. Yeah, right. And then we started to dream about <laughs> taking it to be a company. And I think that's where we are today. So our evolution kind of mimicked Carbon's evolution. And what, um, well, I can't not ask you then, right? Like, what's it been like working for your wife? No, I shouldn't say that. What's it been <laughs> like, you know, growing the company together? There's, you know, frustrations shared in a family are different to those shared uh, when you've got that separation. It's definitely true. I will say that not everybody could do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't think we're necessarily special, but our relationship is unique in the sense of we don't really cross over on our skill sets that much. We don't step on each other's toes. Mm. And so that made for really great business partners. In fact, I'd say we fought less at work than we did even <laughs> at home <laughs> um, because we both have just complimentary things. And when we kind of stayed in our lanes, the other thing was I was never an accountant, uh, which is kind of unique. Yeah. I think to our uh, definitely to where I am today as what I call the chief visionary yeah. of the company, not being an accountant, that's not a typical kind of structure to affirm. Yep. So, but that definitely helped at the beginning. And what does that entail then? If Jessica's sort of the the technical brain, and then your chief visionary, how do you delineate that? And what does that mean for the relationship and for the business? Yeah, we've actually taken a step past that about a year ago. Jess took a step, what we call down the hall, and took mm -hmm, kind mm -hmm. of a break from the company, a sabbatical of sorts. It's going to be about a three or so year sabbatical. Mm -hmm. That helps us in our family structure. We have five kids, yeah, and right. three of them are in high school right now. And so yeah. we'll be, one's a senior, junior, and a sophomore, so we'll be launching one a year for the next three years. <laughs> Stick them in the cannon and, <laughs> and light it. <laughs> exactly. It kind of feels like that a little bit. <laughs> See and where so, they land. <laughs> so a year ago, we had planned for two years, we planned to allow Jess to kind of step down the hall. Um, and so she's not in the day-to-day -day operations at all anymore. Yeah. She yeah. is still what we call in the owner box. So we have a quarterly meeting where she gets to ask questions as an owner, but that's about the extent of her involvement at the moment in the day-to-day -day operations. And so we've actually able, able to hire somebody in her role, which we yeah. call the integrator. That kind of, it's maybe that classic chief of operations hmm. that organizes the three functions of our business. So Yeah. And are there a couple of people that took her role or how did you, how is, did you yeah. sort of coordinate the transition? Yeah, I mean, she being an owner was doing all the, a lot of hats, you know, things that would slip through the cracks if no one was thinking about it. And just, I think being an owner kind of, you know, things keep you up at night, things that could threaten the business success, uh, keep you up at night. And those things end up being like on important things that you end up working on. So she was working on a lot of those things, one of which was what we call our mission control, which is basically the bulk of our of our employees work mm -hmm, in that. Mm -hmm. That's our service side of the the equation. She was dabbling and she would help me out with sales whenever I needed a sales expert, like a subject matter expert that kind of knows the systems really well. I'd bring her in. She was doing a little bit of HR because that was her previous background. So we've kind of broken those roles now up into actual roles. 
which has allowed her to step aside. And I would say at this point in the now that we're a year past that transition, like operating it all, we're growing at a rate we couldn't have grown had one person been in that role. And so it is kind of that stepping away and being able to, you know, have the humility to let something grow outside of even what you could have done or offered. Yep. And so growth rates are up. What is your growth acquisition strategy as you go to market? Uh, any different to, or a little bit different even to 99% of firms which don't have one at all and just rely on referral? <laughs> well, we are definitely niche driven. Yep. Tell us about that. That's a huge piece of our structure. I was a pastor. My wife and I were church planters. So we helped start a church for people that don't go to church. Planting a church is basically like an entrepreneurial venture. You decide, hey, we're going to start a church. And it's not as simple as that. You have to go through a lot of steps. The government wants to make sure that you're a legitimate thing. But we helped start a church and it's literally like starting a business. There's a Mm. lot of, you know, you're wearing a ton of hats at the beginning and you're trying to build in leaders and you're trying to grow something. You look at profit differently. So I would say our what we call our partners, our clients, they don't think about profit and loss. They Mm -hmm. think about growth. They think about revenue from a standpoint of giving. They think yep. about it as not being their money, yep. which is different than a business mindset. Usually a business mindset is this is my money. I want to you know, keep it. They're thinking I'm stewarding someone else's money. I'm basically stewarding the giver's money, similar to a nonprofit. Mm. And so that put us in a unique niche. So all we do is church accounting right. uh, across the board, And we do that through core services and strategic services. So we're pretty directed in our knowing who we're going after and targeting. And even within that, we're targeting a certain niche of churches as well in the growth cycle, like churches that are willing to embrace the cloud, Mm -hmm. churches that are willing to be... Old churches should embrace the cloud, surely. They should, (laughs) but they don't always. Sometimes, Uh, you know, the whole want to be local, want you to walk in my office is still a big thing. Oh, that's not what I meant, Greg. Come on, work (laughs) with me. Ah, sorry, I missed it. I missed the heaven heaven response. (laughs) (laughs) A little slow today. (laughs) It's all right. We'll we'll pick up the pace. But uh, no, keep going. You know, like, don't let me um, blaspheme here or anything. But I always find it funny that church accountants don't typically distinguish between denominations? Do you have multiple denominations in your client base? We do. I would say we primarily focus on one network that doesn't kind of functions differently than a denomination, but actually has some similarities. So it's a grouping of churches. Mm. And we do focus on that network because they tend to be churches that grow large enough to support kind of an outside accounting firm doing their books rather than, you know, great aunt Jane or grandma, you know, grandma volunteer kind of that, that would do the books for free or something like that. So we need that also that grow to a certain point where they need systems that are managing them rather than them trying to juggle all the systems. And so, so we typically hit them at three different points. One is a church startup. Basically they want to do things right from the beginning and they value systems already from the beginning and they just want to do things right. Then we get them at about a million to two million in revenue where their systems, their growth of congregation outpaces their systems. Yep. And in a business setting, that's where you usually have a restructuring because you 
didn't know what you were doing at the beginning, you know. Yeah, and you yeah. or, or, or purposely sort of kept it lean, right? Like Totally, yeah. You can't implement 55 systems on day one unless you're me. Yeah, well, you, you can try. <laughs> We've tried that. Um, it's not – I wouldn't recommend it for sure. No, no, no. no and then no, we neither. get like an older established church that maybe, you know, has been doing things one way for a long time could even be signing checks, hand signing checks every week still, yep. or doing something very, very manual or using an obsolete system. And they just kind of want to get into the 21st century. And yep. so those are the three kind of places where we find the most, yeah, most on ramps to us. Yeah. Yeah. So I have this fantasy that, uh, so there's another great customer of uh, Carbon, Steve Cheney, who's very non-picky in his denominations. And I, I always wonder, like, what a um, you know, what a client get together might look like with, you know, your Greek Orthodox, your your Irish Catholics, your synagogues. That is definitely a thing. I would definitely say that that's a thing. It should be a, a party of peace, right? Like, it should, should be a whole lot of fun. <laughs> definitely a lot of fun. <laughs> you get, the, you just have to be careful of your. You know, the buffet, you don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> that would be tricky. Yes, what to eat or drink. That's right. Uh, and or the... drink, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> anyway, that's just my sixth sense of humor. But um, so don't don't be offended. But I think, look, it's a um, a great niche, though, right? <laughs> it is a great niche. And there's 380,000 churches in the U.S. Yeah, I bet. So there's a lot of room for everyone in the in Yeah, the yeah, yeah. There's, and I don't know if you know, but well, like religion globally is, I'll try and stay away from the controversy, but like, you know, Australia has never been massively religious. So I'd be surprised if religion in Australia was growing. Is it growing in the US? That depends on how you look at it. Yes. Mm. And I, mm. I would say one of the largest churches in, in the world came out of Australia, Hillsong. Oh, yeah. Our, our ex fucking prime minister was all over that. Don't worry. <laughs> he was. He was <laughs> <laughs> there has been some some issues and that's i think that's look church mimics everything globally mm. we have mm. we have problems in businesses where you know heads of businesses got in trouble for different things <laughs> we have trouble in churches uh same mm. kind of mm. thing we're all led by people yeah which have we all have the propensity to do things that are that are not right, that are wrong, unfortunately. So Yeah, no, I wasn't going into the the whole <laughs> um like a pedophilia or anything, but and I was oh, well, there's no point in doing that. I was just more interested in like I felt like a religion in Australia was sort of, you know, like I mean, something I didn't ever grew up with and mm -hmm. like our sort of, you know, we were we were just sort of average social class or anything. But um, you know, like religion in the UK is I would have thought was declining, but I feel like religion in the US with with everything that's been going on in the last, you know, the socio and political aspects, it wouldn't surprise me if religion as an industry was growing in this country as opposed to, you know, a lot of other countries where it's, pro you know, like traditional church going has probably declined somewhat, right? Yeah, I mean, and again, I would say that it depends and that's why there's such a broad spectrum of... yeah. There yeah. are certain denominations, if you will, or certain networks that are growing and yeah. doing quite yeah. well. Yeah. At the same time, there's denominations that are that are declining. Yeah, for all kinds of reasons. <laughs> for all kinds of reasons. I mean, I read articles all the time. The Gen Z is like not going to church as as much as like the previous generations, and so. Yeah. 
but some of that is they're doing it online. So they're actually yeah. taking in the medium in a different way. And churches yeah. are definitely having to innovate. I mean, COVID, I joked yeah. with all of my the pastor friends of mine, like COVID made everyone a televangelist, whether you wanted yeah. to or not, right? <laughs> and most of them didn't want to be that. They never yeah. wanted to be on TV necessarily, but it made it so everybody had to. There were churches that were closed for eight months. If you were yep. in the Northeast, you were in Northeast or certain parts of California, you were closed for eight or nine months Yeah, and you couldn't go back. Like, nah. so... That oh, was you, an interesting you don't want a Sunday thing. service to be a super spreader event if you can avoid it. Totally, yeah. <laughs> Jesus will be unhappy with everybody. But, yeah, because <laughs> I've was, I got a few videographer mates, and they're like, fuck, we're flat out getting fixed cameras in into churches so they can broadcast their service and yeah. and be heard and get to their congregation and everything is like quite, you know, an industry that was just sprung up overnight, right? Sprung like up overnight. Tens of thousands of churches looking to get on YouTube. <laughs> and actually most of the churches, many churches are looking at that now as a almost like a campus, yeah. a whole different model because yep. who comes to that, you engage yeah. those people in different ways, right? Like sure. it's a different customer, if you will, to speak business language. Yep. And all it takes is for a couple of fucking TikTokers to inspire a hill song, <laughs> and, and away you go. You got tens of thousands of attendees at your congregation all of a sudden. <laughs> it's true. No, you're absolutely right. And churches are engaging those mediums as well, Twitter absolutely. and TikTok, and why wouldn't you? And YouTube and all those mediums. That's, it is the oldest industry to engage an audience would it not be <laughs> it definitely is is up there yes well we won't talk about the other old industries that's all right we'll we'll try and keep it keep it a little bit pleasant for Fairly you friendly. I, I won't be a, yeah it won't be a complete prick which is uh, which is not usually like me but anyway we'll, we'll be yeah we'll keep it family friendly but no i find it fascinating the okay and so we got to here because we're talking about go to market so so there'd be a lot of referral in your in your client base. I get that. Is it geographically sort of specific, or doesn't matter? You know, when we first started, we were more regionally focused, and then that kind of grew outside. But as we've tied into different networks, I'd say it's not. It's we're we're in forty two states currently today. Yeah, right. Okay. Oh well, you must be good with sales tax then. <laughs> We well, are. Well, in doing most our cases, best. you don't have to worry about sales tax. Fuck Avalara, get a fortune out of us. That's very <laughs> true. Yes, we have different, which is another kind of unique niche. You know, a lot of firms, I think, that use carbon are CPA firms. We don't have to kind of operate in the tax world part of yeah, that. So yeah. that helps in the niche. Keep some of your complexities less complex. <laughs> totally. Yes. I understand that. And you've grown, so you said you started in 2010? 2011. Uh, 2011. Yep. And so over the last sort of 10 and a little bit more years, what, how many churches and you said 42 states, there's at least 42 customers, but right. you must be we a lot do, more than uh, that. <laughs> we do 230 churches currently. Go. Wow. And really we are shooting for, we'd love to be a thousand churches strong. All that's right, where that's we're the headed goal. for the next 10 years. All right. Yeah. Well, it's just keep turning water into wine and, and they'll flock the, um, okay, so go to markets. There's referrals amongst the existing networks and um, you must be sort of partners with these. I believe there's a couple of like giving platforms where 
you know, you're sort of automating the donation aspect of churches, which is obviously a, a pretty critical aspect here. It is a critical aspect. We definitely are experts in all mm. of those things. Yeah. We haven't yet partnered with the giving platforms, mainly because we've allowed that flexibility that you could choose whichever giving solution that you want to use. We haven't made that a a structural thing where we require it. And I think that's a little bit of our niche is is we we want to allow some flexibility even though we're very targeted and so we pick and choose those flexibility items one of those is their giving solution yeah yeah you don't have to sort of be exclusive but they're probably well aware of your expertise in in their software and they would see your name against them and they probably have some partner programs but um okay so what is the client journey look like? What are clients, you know, why do clients, not that there's that many accountants sort of specialize in religious organizations, but when a client comes to you after their first year and says, oh, thank you, Greg, thank you, Jessica. Well, not so much anymore, but you know what I mean. Uh -huh. What are they saying to you about their experience? So one thing that we've actually started to add to our, our sales process is our onboarding. And yep. I just assumed onboarding was kind of one of our internal things. And obviously when we wanted to get good at it, but we have this tact that we want to delight in our onboarding. And that even if they chose to leave us right after our onboarding, that our onboarding and offboarding process actually made them delight. And that came out of, there's some models out there that kind of hold you hostage with your stuff like, oh, you're going to leave us? Well, fine. We won't give you any of your data back kind of thing. And we didn't want that to be a piece. We also wanted, we wanted it to be something, and we look at it as a journey. We call it a journey doc, actually, a journey document that follows the church throughout the history and allows for growth strategies during their time while they're with us. And so we're always trying to redefine what does success look like for these next year in our working together so that there's continuous improvement. Mm. And what is their response as you take them through this journey document? Uh, they're really appreciative. And especially if they come to us from another firm, oftentimes it's that there's a lot of intentionality that's gone around our onboarding mm. so that they feel mm. like things happen quick enough, but they also mm. don't happen too quick. Because business owners and church leaders, they're similar. They're busy. They're busy yep. people. They don't want to waste their time. They want things done and they want them done on at a certain time. And so we try to really hit those, the things that we're promising, we try to uh, deliver on those promises. Mm. And do most of your clients come from accountants that are, are not focused on religion specifically? They're more broader based and more general accountants? That's where we get some of it. Some of them, you know, they may have an internal team that they're right. like, hey, we've got three people, but really the work could be done by one, right? With all the different efficiencies that are out there now. And so, I mean, I just met with a client in California, bigger church, and they had, before they came to us, they had four people they were paying, an accounts payable team and an accounts receivable team and team member. And when they came to us, and now they have an admin person that is part-time 20 hours a week that basically can get all the admin duties on their side of things things like entering things into the donation software and they can complete that so we took four jobs down to a part-time position and not even a professional 
Not that she's not professionally qualified, sure, but she sure. only needed she, admin. She's not a CPI, for instance. <laughs> exactly. And so that was a huge win for us, right? Like more dollars get to be spent on the mission rather than paying for staff that's unneeded. So. Yep. Yep. And so we've got a thousand is the target. What are the plans to perhaps accelerate that a little bit? Or how do you think that that's going to come about? You know, that's a great question. We've acquired a small firm. Okay, congrats. And that was a learning experience. (laughs) (laughs) Even within our niche. Was it? (laughs) I wouldn't say, I wouldn't maybe use that language (laughs) specifically. Well, no, 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 you you wouldn't, but I I can. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that, you know, it wasn't without its its heartaches and headaches, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm not sure. I know that other firms grow that way, and that's sometimes a growth strategy. And I'm not sure that that's one that we'll do a lot of. So It's I, not right up your alley. It's perhaps a little bit scarred from the first experience. I think so. I think it's probably continuing to do what we've been doing, which is partnering with different organizations that help churches and grow that way. I think churches, the reason why there is so many denominations out there is because there's there's just certain things that people agree to, and it brings a commonality, almost like different, you know, just different people groupings almost. Yeah. And so when we find one that we identify that we work well together, oftentimes all their friends, we would work well together with them as well. Yeah. And so that's been... The referral thing has been a huge thing. Another piece, our big push this next few years has become, we've become kind of, I wouldn't say we're fully industry experts, but we've been on on different things in the accounting space, but not necessarily in the church space. Sure. And so that's where we're targeting this next few years is uh, speaking at conferences, being maybe even writing a book, mm. putting out. Ah, they, they, oh, I've got the title for you already. Just the journey to the cloud. <laughs> now can it not be? <laughs> that's awesome journey to the heavens yeah that's it that's it (laughs) there you go it'll be a number one bestseller oh boy but the but really trying to push into that you know how do we become industry experts Uh, known industry experts that when somebody googles it it comes to us yeah that's our main push do you do any google adwords and stuff so we've just started on the marketing engine side of things i think part of that was we didn't really need it but at this point in our growth, you know, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. our next phase for sure. Like we have plenty of referrals coming churches in. to go, right? <laughs> exactly. So to accelerate that journey, we need our name out there more and yep. have more people coming in the pipeline quicker. And what does the competition look like generally? There's a few. Uh, Cheney is one of them that's in our space. We look at them not so much as competitors because I think there is, a, like, we only want a thousand of the 380, right? Yeah. Thousand. So that's plenty a small for everybody. Market There's plenty share. of There's plenty. To go around. <laughs> and so there are a few others that are in our space and we know about. The great thing is they tend to be great people. Like hmm. that behind the scenes, I get along with many of the other CEOs and many of the other leaders of those companies, I already know. And I see them at different events and we're all shooting for the same thing. We're all helping, trying to help churches grow. Yeah. And okay, so how many staff about these days? Uh, we've got 33, I believe, currently. Yeah, all right. So your the revenue per church must be right up there 
for 250 odd clients and 30 odd staff. So that's that's good. That's a healthy revenue per customer. So good for you. So you're obviously in there providing lots of services, a broad array of offerings that you can be a one-stop shop for the client base, yeah? Yeah, I think we've really dialed in our core services like payroll, bill pay, and Mm. reconciliation and reporting, those kinds of things. We're really pushing into what we're calling strategic services, and those being forecasting, budgeting, giving analytics, audit, support, all of those pieces. And that's going to be our next... I'd say our first 10 years of the journey was building a bookkeeping machine yep. that's very process-driven and kind of well-oiled. Things yep. don't fall through the cracks. Yep. And we have people all doing the same things or similar processes across the board. Our next phase is like, how do we then scale strategic services? I'm not interested in offering it to only a couple of our clients. I would mm. love to offer it to, yeah, get even it if it's a scaled-down version, I would like everyone to be able to access it. And so yeah. that's... That's kind of what makes us excited about the future. What, where, if there's an entrepreneurial part still of Parable, that is where we're pushing yeah, in. Yeah, pl- plenty of room to, to grow in that top area. <laughs> yep. Which would increase our revenue per. Yep. 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 No, that's good. Healthy margins are a good margin. The, um, all right. So there's Google advertising. There's obviously referrals. So at like a thousand clients, you're sort of looking at, a oh, good, decent-sized business, right? Like you're probably up at, if you're 30 today, you're sort of up at around 100-plus staff at least, perhaps 200-odd staff for 1,000-odd customers, yeah? Mm-hmm. There you go. Does that scare you? Uh, it doesn't quite scare me. We're also looking at is there a blended shore kind of potential oh, I like here? That. There you go. That's very PC, isn't it? A blended shore. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up sitting at a table with several carbon users that were in that space and just had some really great conversations, made some really great connections. And also, I just think there's a missional side of that on the church thing as well. Yeah, And that there's churches all over the world. They're not just in the US. And so we could potentially have some of that. That would probably be some kind of partnership situation for us in the future. Yeah. So a... um a global organization serving religious organizations all over the world. There you go. I can get on board with that. And are you fully remote? Have you got something in an office? We are fully remote, and we've been that way since we actually used to do uh, staff meetings and stuff in our living room when we were small here in (laughs) Colorado. And then one of our, like, longtime people, in fact, she's one of the ones that took over Jess's, Jess's role of COO, she was with us for quite a while. We didn't want to lose her. And she was like, hey, we're going to be moving to a different state. Like, can I still work here? And we were <laughs> like, okay, I guess we're going remote. <laughs> and so yeah, that, was, that it. was it. We went fully yeah, remote yeah, after that. Because, yeah. you know, having one remote worker and everyone else is meeting in person just doesn't really work. No. And so even though we were all still local at that point, other than this one person, we went we went fully to Zoom. We say we we adopted Zoom before it was cool because it was way way pre pandemic. Twenty sixteen, I think, is when we started using it and moved mm. to being remote. Mm. And it's just worked for us. That's been a. I don't foresee us ever being in the office. No, 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 no. We I do get, get together once a year. We bring everybody together, which. Every year is a different place. Last year we were in North Carolina. This year we'll be in uh, Florida. 
Mm-hmm. And we value that. One of our values is virtual, but together. And so a big push for us is even with our clients that we're interacting with Zoom, not just phone calls all yep. the time. So. Yeah. Yep. Well, it, it, 2D is great. 3D is better, right? <laughs> well, we get the uniqueness, too, of if our people are traveling, a lot of times they'll look up a church, and that's one of oh, ours. Really? That yeah, if they're yeah, near yeah. it, they'll go worship with them on a Sunday with their family, which is a really, really cool thing. I hadn't even thought of that. That makes sense, that people in your organization would be, be have a certain definitely an interest in religion. That makes complete sense. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely draw people that that want to serve the church. And yeah. most, I would yeah. say, most of our uh, stakeholders are involved in some aspect of church in their own local context and are volunteering. Or yeah. We have a lot of pastors, actually, pastors' wives that are working on our team. So it's a, definitely a huge pa- – they identify with the mission, with yeah. the vision of it. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Is there a customer, is there a church that comes to mind where, you know, sort of over your journey that um, and Jessica's journey that that you've really seen grow, that has benefited from your experience, that has grown the number of people attending the congregation, has perhaps, um, I don't know, done something special? Has there been one that, that really comes to mind that has inspired you upon your journey? Yeah, I think there's been a couple, but one that definitely stands out we talk about a lot that churches often they're good storytellers, right? Like a church, a pastor, that's what they do is they tell stories every week and they're very good with vision. Oftentimes the good pastors are good with vision because they're always rallying people to a vision or a mission that's larger than themselves. That's kind of the, the story there. They're really great at telling their story. It's always connected to their heart and their, their passion, but rarely though, is it connected to their finances? And yeah. so oftentimes the budget is kind of a necessary evil. Mm. I joke with my pastor friends that they think that maybe it was given as part of the curse when God kicked him out of the garden. <laughs> Adam and Eve first had to create a budget. And they kind of think about that. But what we've tried to do is help them realize that aligning their financial story with the story they're telling it just when those three are aligned, it gives them traction. It gives them a better tie-in to the vision, and it gives them a place for their donors to know where their money is going. I mean, a huge piece, of kind of a interesting statistic out there is uh, they did a cross-business study on trust, and pastors actually ranked down with lawyers and bankers in the trust arena on this one study. And uh, I think it's just, you know, where where the spectrum has swung in these. As long as they're not down with um, uh, car salesmen, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. right. And so, like, a big thing nowadays is to say, hey, your money's safe with us. Well, why is it safe? Well, we go through these practices hmm. or we have this outside firm that gets to look at our books. So we're transparent with our numbers. And so that's something that we're helping try to help churches with is, how to better tell their financial story. One church, for instance, um, they weren't doing anything nefarious, but what they didn't recognize was how to join their budget to it. And so they were like an outreach-driven church, very big in outreach. And they would speak that from the pulpit and they had lots of volunteers. So from a volunteer standpoint, they were an incredibly outreach-driven church. From a how do I spend my money standpoint, very little was tied to the outreach. And when we showed them that on the reports, 
it was kind of like a jaw dropping moment for their leadership because mm. they were like, man, we would have thought that our budget was telling that same story. They realigned those priorities in their budget, which then brought it in alignment with the strategy of the church. And I wouldn't say that all their growth was due to us uh, helping them align <laughs> yeah, that. You can claim it. It's all right. They, they, they won't <laughs> but definitely, for weeks. <laughs> definitely grew tremendously. And then the pandemic hit. And so mm. all that money that they had reallocated to be specifically driven towards outreach was able to be utilized in some really powerful ways during the pandemic where other churches maybe weren't able to push into that space as quickly. They were able to quickly just jump in and because they already had it kind of allocated. That church has since merged with another church and the vision has only grown mm. and we got to do the the books for this neck, the, you know, the merge. So we helped them merge and then we helped them post merge as well. Cool. And so let's dig in a bit. Like when you say, you know, they, they, so they obviously I'm trying to translate into my agnostic <laughs> language. So you sat down with them and, and they're already a growing church. They had a good congregation. Their message was well received. They obviously had enthusiastic supporters and you were able to sort of hone some and an increase in donation and give them some strategies to sort of increase giving. Is that a fair sort of start to the story? That's a fair start. And then helping them then also tell that story in a better way. Right. Okay. All right. So, okay. I get, I sort of get where you're going with this. So align their vision and their journey with extracting more money from the congregation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think people want to give money towards things that they believe in. Absolutely. Definitely. And so if you can articulate, you know, the organizations that are articulating really well how yeah. that money is being spent and the life change that it's enacting. All right. Cool. So give us some examples. So this church goes and helps X number of charities locally with the money that goes into the church, for instance. Is that fair? Yeah. And, or, you know, they had a track program that they ran, which, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think. As in athletics? Athletics. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. And so they're in an area. Runner. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you know, a more recent example was the one I just met with. So they, during COVID, recognized the need in their community that the food bank wasn't able to provide enough food. They didn't have the distribution to meet the need. The church had space that they were not utilizing. And so they quickly were able to remodel that space into a beautiful, they call it a shopping experience, actually. It's like a, it would remind you of like maybe like a Trader Joe's kind of setup, like a small little yeah. local grocery store, but really cool, beautiful art on the wall, which is opposite of what, you know, you tend to sometimes get at a food bank, right? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So they took the money and sort of, worked with the food bank to provide this kind of amazing area for the community. Yeah. And I think that one of the really cool things that they did was they took kind of the, the gospel of the church and what, which is every person has uh, worth because of the image bearingness of God is kind of a church gospel belief. And sometimes in the homeless side of things, when you've experienced homelessness or you go through that, like the last thing you believe about yourself is that you have worth, worth because yeah. you know people are constantly telling you you don't mm. like get out of here we don't want mm. you in the parks we don't want you and so what they did was they were they kind of restored that dignity of like hey you know i want to shop in a beautiful place right like why should going to 
a food bank kind of setup or getting a handout of some food have to be a negative thing? Why can't it restore dignity? Yeah. And so they, I mean, they built it just like a grocery store. I wish I could pull up a picture, but it was, it's just really cool. Stunning. I mean, you wouldn't think it, it, and this is in the church. So volunteers from the church uh, staff it all week. They have certain days that they come in, they put up a shower unit so that people can schedule a shower because that's another thing in the homeless <laughs> world is not being able to, you know, have a shower. They will give them clothes as well. And then one of the coolest things they had this, the last year when I visited, they had a blank wall that was really long. It was a really long blank white wall. And this time when I visited, there's 30 beautiful paintings on the wall. And they're all of portraits of individuals. And they were people that have come through that were either experiencing homelessness or just came out of a homeless situation, got plugged into the church, built community, had people around them that were, that were helping. And then this artist like did a beautiful painting of their face and did it with like, I mean, just gorgeous colors. And the artist was fantastic. They sell these paintings. And if somebody buys the painting, all the money from the painting, the artist has already donated the works. And so they, all the money that they raise from those paintings goes directly to that person and their, their family to continue to help them get out of the situation that they were in. And so one guy, I just, you know, asked, Hey, what about this guy? It was a really cool painting. I was thinking maybe that needs to be in my house. And then the guy had, when they came to the church, he was completely homeless, got plugged in, then started to get more stable housing, was able to come to this, what they call the king's table. They bring them to a, a wonderful five-course dinner where they have a host that hosts them and and talks to them. Here's their story. That's where the painting's done. Had the painting done. They helped him make connections. He got a job at Disney World or Disneyland because they're in California and is now has a great job is doing well and volunteering and giving back and now he helps host at the king's table it's like this reciprocating thing where you know i'm sure when he sits next to a person that's in, that's right now going through those situations he has complete empathy because he's been there mm. and can identify with where they're at and meet them with where they're at so uh, just a beautiful story of how a church is impacting like that's city changing, right? That's not mm. just like within the four walls of the church. That changes the city and how it approaches. Now the city is now looking at the church for ways to better engage the homeless population, right? Mm. Like that's exciting. Very. And your role in that is pivotal because without their expanding base, without being well organized, without your passion and enthusiasm and your mission-driven organization, they're perhaps plateauing or they're not able to help as many people. They're not able to create these beautiful spaces. Yes. I think that's amazing. Yeah, it's been a wonderful thing to watch. And we've been partnered with them for five plus years now, probably. I mean, our longest partnership, which we value, is 10 years old. It was our first client, was a church, it's a partner. They've been a partner ever since. So we get to kind of watch them as they grow. And I know that's a lot of firms like watch, get to watch a small startup business and get to grow with them. It's kind of, I would say that's one of the most rewarding things that we get to do is celebrate those wins because of that 220, I don't just, we don't just look at them as 
a number, although they do contribute to that number that we're, that we're targeting. Mm. Mm. We look at them as like every one of them has impact in their community. Like I'm not called to go be a pastor of a church in that community, but that person is, if I can help them do a better job at it and help them be more sustainable in their growth, like that then gives a life giving community in wherever they are. Yeah. You'll forgive me for this, but I reckon that's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Definitely. The um no, nah, that's super amazing, Greg. And and the work that um you and Steve and all others in your niche of, of industry is fascinating. And I think it's just an amazing application of your skills and people like you. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I actually met Steve early on when we first started when I first started with Accelerate, so somewhere around 2015, and he was incredibly gracious, met a couple times with us and shared some ways of doing things and got us kind of going. So I love that. And I think that's what I love about the carbon community too. Like I experienced that not just from people that are working in our, our space, but everyone I talk to at carbon and I've had several follow-up meetings with people that I met there that were just very open and willing to share and like, how do we all get better as a, as an industry? And I love that. I love being part of that. Yeah. And knowing Steve, I, that doesn't surprise me at all that he was gracious and willing with his time and uh, happy to hand on plenty of expertise. We'll have to have him on the podcast. I haven't had him yet. I haven't seen him in a while. So we'll, oh, we'd love go. to. <laughs> Uh, Greg Daly, this has been amazing. Thank you for uh, sharing your experiences with us and thank you for being a wonderful Carbon customer. Thank you for sharing your experiences on stage at Carbon X. It was simply fantastic and uh, I look forward to catching up again soon. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Stuart. It's a privilege. It's been an honour. It's been It was an honour to, to share on the Carbon stage and I uh, loved, <laughs> loved doing this. Thanks for having me. And thank you for allowing me to swear on... on <laughs> <laughs> No problem. <laughs> <laughs>Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you on the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.